podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to the Nina Kaiser Show. New Year, same old awesome Liverpool. 2-0 against Sheffield United. Job done, easy peasy. Liverpool look fresh and rejuvenated. Let's talk about this game. At the moment, we're kind of um, just riding on this awesome positivity. Long may it continue. Joining me on this podcast, um, I am delighted to be joined by two incredible guests. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce them to you, but I'll give you a little spoiler alert. I hope it does not turn into pizza wars on this podcast. First up joining me is um, a familiar voice on AI, host of the USA podcast, co-host of the Transfer Pod, the Baseball Podcast, a frequent guest on the Nina Kalzer show as well. It is my good friend, Justin Wells. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nin. And uh, we have pizza and your other guest has quiche. <laughs> well, you know why I kind of remember this? Because my guest, once upon a time, called our show and it did turn into like pizza was literally. It was like, you know, a proper little battle off there. So you know what? Let me introduce my guest. It's an honor, actually. I've not spoken to him in ages. Our guest today is uh, Scott Chandler, who um, I think is a first time guest on this podcast. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time since I've called in in any sort of fashion, but, you know, starting 2020 off the right way, except you're trying to split the Americans apart. The British are always meddling with us. You're trying to pit us against each other. Every time I get together with Justin, you want to start a pizza war. I mean, we, we have to have some peace. <laughs> We do, we do need some, you know, we need Steve Pizza joining in to kind of be the mediator in all this, you know, because we, we did change his name. But no, guys, I'm sure you both have excellent pizza. I'm not one to judge or discuss. I mean, you're going to, you, you two could just turn on me right now and start the cookie biscuit debate. You know, literally you could, but we're not going to go there because we are good people. We don't argue about petty little things like that. Let's, we can all agree on one thing. The Reds are fucking awesome. Agree? Yeah, I, I think it's. That's an easy point to agree on. Um, there you go. Especially when you've just seen your team complete the most passes of any team in the Premier League era. Um, I, I don't know if there's a way to even accurately describe the level of dominance put out there tonight. Yeah, and Scott, I'd like to get your thoughts on this because I was watching this game and it's gotten to that stage. I mean, I, you know, I, I was pretty, I watched the game with my brother and I pretty much turned around and said to my brother, I want this team to get the highest points. I want them to be invincible, beat the invincibles by, you know, having more wins under their belts. I want to turn around and say this was the greatest team in the Premier League era. And, and then we started talking about the FA Cup, just randomly myself and my brother. And he goes, you know what? I even want Liverpool to win that as well, because it is literally then United can hold that over us as well. I mean, that's how cocky we're kind of getting with this team right now. Well, that's why they call us the unbearables, but we're, we're all earning it right now. We deserve it. I mean, it's, it became, well, it was tough to finish second 
you know, finishing with 97 points, the highest points ever for a second place team. And then it became, well, I hope they can just win the title this season. Then it became, well, it looks like they might actually win the title. And now it's, we want everything, you know, but after so many years in the wilderness, we have the right to be greedy. You know, it was the, the turn of the decade yesterday and everybody's doing the retrospectives, you know, taking a look back. And if you look back 10 years, I mean, Liverpool were in absolute dire straits. So to be where we are now, I mean, you just got to enjoy it. And yeah, why can't we win everything? Based on the performances we've seen lately, it's just one controlled dominant display after another. So, I mean, I loved it. And that's what I was hoping for today. And you, as Justin said, you, it's hard to put into perspective just how, you know, amazing they've been with, with ever from start to finish from front to back and the passing alone, it just shows Sheffield were never in it from, so it was three points from the very beginning. The way Liverpool have been going, you know, kicking off 2020 with a display like that. I mean, they've earned the right to win everything. I mean, you know, the FA Cup on the weekend could, could have been a throwaway, but now it's like, yeah, we want them to win everything, everything possible. And then not just, you know, getting it over the line. I mean, we'd all be happy for the 30 year drought at the end, but we want to win it in historic fashion. I think, you know, because well, let, they're just raising their level. Let's let's give let's give one perspective uh, on this, right? The last time we lost was January third of last year. Tomorrow, right, would be would mark three hundred sixty five days. And today, with this win, we at least will now go to three hundred and eight and seventy three days because we next play on the eleventh before we'll before we'll you know w- without without um, having lost a game in the league. I'm not saying that we're going to lose to Spurs, but I'm just saying you know, that's. That's where that's where we are right now, right? We've gone three. We're 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 going to go 373 days, potentially longer, without having losing a league game. Yeah, Gags has just kind of chimed in there as well. I mean, uh, I think he's disappeared now, but he's he's basically said it's a year unbeaten now, which is absolutely phenomenal. And when they talk back to that Liverpool game, the last game they lost at Anfield, which I think was it back in 2017, was it against Crystal Palace? I was at that game. It was the last home game. You know, you yeah. are th- that. That seems like an age away. So much has happened in my life since that game. Right, well, I'm going to give everybody who's who ends up listening to this a small betting tip, right? Uh, Champions League final at Kiev. Probably, if you if you've heard me speaking about this, you know I got married that day. Yep. The loss to City last year, January third, is also my birthday. We lost, right? Um, if if you're going to bet on a Liverpool game, ask me if anything important is happening that day. And if something is, don't bet on us. But if something is not, bet on us. You know what? I don't have the best of luck as well, actually. On my birthday, we lost to Atletico Madrid um, in the Europa League semi-final. You know, Rafa's last season. It was actually on my birthday. We lost that semi-final. Um, around my birthday, had um, the oh, Gerard I fucking Chelsea hate Diego slip. Forlan. I fucking yeah. hate Diego Forlan. Um, the, the Gerard slip was around my birthday. Um, Liverpool have lost. Um, they've lost to teams like Hull City on my birthday. Um, they've lost to um last last season actually was kind of sandwiched between my birthday where Liverpool lost them um, to Barcelona. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm not the luckiest as well. So I'm hoping this year we come good. You know what? Let's kind of let's go back to this game and um. S- uh, Scott, I'm going to bring you in. Let's talk about this game because, of course, we saw the team lineup. We all got really excited. Um, but, of course, Klopp was kind of forced into um, a change in the lineup pretty much because uh, I believe Naby Keita picked up, um, 
picked up a, an injury. So um, talk to me about that. Talk to me about how you felt because, of course, that was a big shock and really good for the lad as well because, um, again, he's looked really promising and it looked like he'd kind of gotten over that little bit of injury phase that he seems to keep getting hit with. Yeah, it's funny how 2020 is kind of repeating some of the same things you saw before. Liverpool are in fine form. But, you know, for Naby, it's one step forward, two steps back. Hopefully it's just a, a minor injury and he'll be available for Tottenham. But, you know, after he really crackled into form in December, you know, all the articles started coming out. You know, this is the Naby we thought we were getting from Leipzig. This is the player we're waiting for. And, and, and you know, Liverpool have taken these evolutionary steps when guys like Mane and Salah and Virgil van Dijk and Allison came in and Fabinho – and, you know, the midfield is the one part of the team that hasn't you know, always been world class over the past couple of years. But I mean, you can see it. It's just evident when he gets on the ball. I mean, he just he sparkles. He's just so dangerous, you know, going, taking the ball forward. He's great in defense. So it was really tough. to. I, I stepped away from the television. I was ready. I was surprised that there was no rotation. And then I came back right before, two minutes before kickoff and saw the news. So, I mean, I think he's going to be bitterly disappointed. But, you know, full credit to James Milner, who came in, you know, wasn't prepared to start and put in a, a James Milner performance, really filled, you know, kind of the utility roles he's used to do. And, you know, that's what you get with James Milner. That's why he's the, the vice captain, because you can always count on him, even on a moment's notice, to come in and give you a fine display. Oh, yeah, absolutely, for sure. I'm not even going to lie. Um, I saw the team news, got excited, saw Navigator, and then I kind of went off and made myself a brew. I sat down, and then I saw James Miller in the tunnel, and I thought, what's happened? Because I've not checked my social media. And then I had to run onto Twitter, Justin, to kind of then get the confirmation from James Pierce that he's picked up an injury during warm-up. I mean, I, I think everything what Scott said is pretty spot on, right? I mean, uh, you know, Milner comes in, and, you know, we'll talk about the team, and we'll talk about how we played, but... He comes in, it's great to have that vice-captaincy kind of professional kind of player. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I think the way in which we played, almost anybody could have gone out there and probably would have gotten his level raised by the team. Now, I think Lulana would have had trouble with it because that would have been two games in the in the course of a short span for a guy who also, like mm. Keita, has struggled for fitness. But I have a theory that Keita probably just felt a small twinge and mm. just was told, and, and I'm pretty sure right now the instruction to everybody, in particular in the midfield, is if you feel anything, don't risk getting hurt more, especially because of how thin we are there. Because if you look at it now, the only midfield we have left basically are, you know, variations off of the, and I, and, and I say this jokingly, the Brexit midfield, right? That's all we have. That, that, if Kata's out, that's all we have at the moment. So you don't want to, you wouldn't want to say what, say what you will. And I, you know, actually now's not the time to say anything negative about, about the combination that played in the midfield today, because they were, absolutely outstanding all, all three of them were absolutely outstanding that was that was what powered I, I know that I usually come onto this podcast and complain about the midfield but today I have no complaints about the midfield because they were just absolutely fantastic of uh, course James, James Milner stepping in just shows you the kind of professional he is where he's probably ready to go in and play against the Ev on Sunday but now you know at the last minute he has to step in and comes in and not only does he do, do a job he does his job very well he also looked to get forward he looked to be the one to try to break lines and do what Kato would probably be doing tactically. So we didn't really skip a beat by playing him, which is, but that's, that's what you want. That's what you, that's what you need out of a team as mm -hmm. to where if one part goes down, the entire plan doesn't go out the window. And if anything, you know, whatever plan we had for the, the Klopp had for today, 
Um, I don't think there was any way within which uh, it wasn't going to be executed perfectly because we were really fantastic. And in particular, that, that, that three in the midfield were, were really great. Absolutely. And we'll kind of touch on, on that in a minute. But let's kind of um, let's talk about the game. And Scott, I'll come to you first, because, um, you know, um, we kind of look at Liverpool sometimes and they can sometimes be a little bit of a slow burner in terms of starting off a game and what they're going to do and stuff. And, you know, it takes some time. Maybe they miss a few chances. We kind of, you know, complain that they can be a little wasteful. But I think it was around about four minutes in. A cross, um, a lovely ball from um, Virgil van Dijk within four minutes. Um, uh, goes straight to Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson sort of crosses it across into the box, and Mo Salah, he's not going to miss that. And you know, um, just so easy. And um, I think that kind of set the tone for Liverpool pretty early on in the game. You know, there was just so much possession, so much control. But I kind of felt like we're, we're kind of speaking about how great Liverpool were. But it, for me, it kind of felt like. You know, uh, Sheffield United kind of didn't have like maybe the most creative ideas. I think they were kind of just there to kind of park the bus. And even after that goal, they they lacked imagination. But um, great to see Liverpool kind of get that early goal and kind of um, you know, draw uh, draw you know the first bit of blood from them. When the lineups came out and you saw Sheffield were doing their usual three-five-two, the question was going to become: Were those fullbacks going to drop deep into a flat five, or were they going to try and get up a little bit? You know, sometimes teams have had more success actually getting forward to try and pin back Trent and Rabo. But one of the tactics you've seen—I mean, it's just—it's part of why he's the best. Sometimes I run out of superlatives you know, for Virgil van Dyke, but it, it's not just the defending it's that ball over the top has been an, a weapon all season long. We saw it last year in Munich up to Mane. And I mean, it, it's a design, you know, when teams are going to try and get compact and, and refuse to let Liverpool, you know, come at them up the middle, you know, it's not just hopeful long balls, you know, route one football, it's, it's a design purpose. And, you know, this worked a trick, you know, get the ball forward, get it up quickly on the wings. And, and Robertson, that was another tactic today. You know, I think maybe with Naby out, they really wanted to push him up the left side and, and, and Baldock fell down, but Robbo made the most of it. And, and I think before the game, I wish I had texted this out to more people, but you know, I felt like Mo was ready. Mo, if he was due to, to have a fine performance, I thought, you know, he could have had two to three versus Leicester. He hadn't scored in a few weeks. And for him to finish, you know, with that delightful flick, I mean, Dean Henderson was, had a pretty good day between the posts, but, you know, he wasn't able to stop that one. And it's, it's nice to see Mo get off the mark. It's nice to see us come out early because I mean, that really prevents teams from just going into a shell. But even then, I guess Sheffield really decided that it was better for them to, to stay so compact and, and back rather than get carved open. That was their best way to maybe smash and grab something. But when you look at the XG from the first half, I mean, they created nothing. They had they had no design going forward. And once we got the goal, you know, they had a quick shot that Allison saved, but that was pretty much it. I mean, it was just, it was like watching a Python just strangle its prey through, you know, they just, we surrounded them and, and pretty much the first half was all us until the very, very end. Yeah, it was, you know what, despite Liverpool only having a goal kind of cushion, um, uh, Justin talked to me about that, talked to me about, you know, Mosala, um, uh, you know, for me, he looked really, he looked lively all game, pretty much, um, but but talk to me about, you know, just Liverpool getting the goal. And, you know, for me, I, I have to agree with Scott. Um, it looked like, you know, Sheffield United had um, 
I'll just call them the blades. The blades is just easier for me to say. I'm lazy. Um, the blades. It's also way cooler. Um, it's way cooler. The blades. It is. It is way cooler. You know, call them by you know that that kind of like nickname. You know, I felt like the blades kind of um set out to play a certain type of way, and it whilst it serves them really well at home and you know coming to Anfield and stuff, and I think Liverpool getting the early goal like it to me. You know, like I I think Scott's absolutely spot on. I just felt like Liverpool just looked so much more. Um, dominating so much more, commanding. I mean, you you kind of touched on the midfield there as well. That you know they covered so much ground, and you know they were just running running tirelessly. But just talk to me about Mo Salah's goal, and um, we'll, we'll kind of discuss the first half because to me, it was one goal. But and at no point did I feel nervous or stressed. I wasn't nervous or stressed because of the fact that they couldn't physically get out of our end. Mm. So let's just talk. Let's just talk about the goal quickly. A thing we've added to our game a lot more recently is the long ball from one of our center backs over the top. And this particular ball from Van Dyke is played into a danger area. And to be honest, we get a little bit lucky that uh, their right back slips or their right wing back slips. But nonetheless, you know, it's a, it's a great ball played in from Rabo. It's a great finish from Mo. And then Mo, you know, could have easily scored twice more in that half because he had two very good opportunities, one of which didn't get as much. The one where the layoff for Mane on another long ball over the top where he just didn't quite get enough, where he didn't quite get enough onto it. And then one where Dean Henderson just makes an absolutely gorgeous save to just stop him on a fizzing right-footed shot. I mean, Mo was up for it and he was, uh, he was fantastic. I mean, that's why, that's why we have him, you know, basically these three can take, these three can all take turns um, kind of, being which one of them needs to kind of to, to be the danger man. And today, luckily, two of the three were really firing because I thought Sadio was also fantastic. Mm. I thought for me, I thought for me to work hard. I just don't think it was coming off for him on the ball. But, you know, if, if when you have when you have those three players, um, they, they, they don't give other teams defenses a lot of uh, a lot of margin for error. And you have to and they also bring about a level of a, a lot of unpredictability, especially Mo and, Ma, and Mane, because of the fact that they can hurt you in a lot of different ways, both pace-wise and taking men on alongside the fact that they're also both, at this point now, become very good creators with the ball. And, uh, you know, the the creative onus from the front three doesn't just fall onto Bobby anymore. All three of them can can legitimately cut you apart. Um, It's also very helpful when you have our two fullbacks just able to just completely and totally, you know, take out three players with the pass because um, both both of them had that today. some of the some of the most impressive range of passing I think I've actually seen from Andrew Robertson um, yet in a Liverpool shirt and Trent is just Trent he he's um he's the best at playing a ball in the way in which he does in which in the way in which anybody does in the world right now um, I think he's just he's just the incredible on the ball playmaker but yeah it's basically the type of situation where we we got that early goal and then we didn't sit back basically mm. went for the kill got unlucky that we didn't score more made some questionable decisions in their box. But the early goal, I think, kind of, you know, and it's an overused term, but it's it, it's the exemplification of the Mike Tyson expression that everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. And Chris, Chris Wilder had a plan until he got punched in the face. It only happened three minutes into the match, and that's very difficult to come back from, especially at a place like Anfield, and especially with how well we've defended lately. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a kind of different blueprint for this game as well, because I actually remember the, the game um, away to um, Sheffield United. And I remember just like it being really kind of 
scrappy and I think that the maybe the size of the pitch or something might have had you know might have been a big you know contributing factor to that because I felt like the fullbacks weren't overly involved and you know all those things were really kind of um, affecting Liverpool um, uh, and 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 in the end Liverpool did win that game and it's of course like their goalkeeper that made a bit of a blunder which we were also appreciative of but you know Liverpool were not great in that game I remember it but well, let's see you kind of spoke about the the forwards there um Justin so I'm going to come to Scott on this one Scott let's talk about the forwards because I think Justin's absolutely spot on and it's something that we constantly mention on the Nina Casa show as well that we're at this stage now where um, either two of the front three always perform and one will have kind of an off day and I thought against Wolves I, I don't think any of the front three look played particularly well if I'm absolutely honest they look quite tired and quite lethargic and you know you always see like the negative tweets and the call outs for you know the, the front men but to me, I, I have to agree, and I think a lot of people will agree. I think, you know, Sadio Mane and Mo Salah looked very, very much up for this game. They looked really rested, rejuvenated, you know, they kind of fancied themselves. Um, you know, um, I want to get your thoughts on that. And also um, a few words on uh, Bobby Firmino, because I felt like a lot of his passes were kind of under hit today. And maybe the decision making wasn't the best, certainly in the second half. In the first half, I felt he was more kind of crowded and surrounded by um you know Sheffield's defense so there's no space for him to operate yeah I mean that's one of the things that Bobby does is you know these teams that when they, when they want to sit back and they want to prevent getting carved up the middle because there's a reason why Liverpool have hit the stratospheric heights that they have it's because they have the best front three in the world and mm-hmm. Justin's 100% spot on any given day one of them can can go supernova and bag, you know, a hat trick or create, you know, have multiple goal involvements. And sometimes it's two or three, sometimes it's all three. And, you know, I think what you saw Bobby is sometimes if he gets a little frustrated by not getting on the ball in, in the opposing penalty box, he'll drop deeper. And that's how he, you know, links a play and he's the straw that stirs the drink. So you kind of saw four, two, three, one at certain moments because he was dropping so deep to get the ball. But unfortunately when he did get on the ball, you know, he'd have a little clever link-ups side to side, but yeah, you're right. I remember one pass directly. He could have had Mane streaking forward and he shorted it. But, you know, I was listening to the press conference before the Wolves match and, you know, Jurgen revealed that Bobby actually came to him and, you know, was almost having a little lack of confidence about not scoring goals. And he told him, he's like, I don't even care. I don't even count your goals at all. That doesn't matter to me. And and Bobby has gotten a little hot lately. He was great in Qatar and he mm. started to find the back of the net, but that's not what we really need Bobby to do. He's there to press. To and there was the one moment in the second. Yeah. Pull the strings. And there was one moment in the second half that I loved. And this is exactly what you're going to talking about. Bobby pressed Sheffield so much that they had to just head the ball out of play for a throw in and Jurgen's fist pumping on the side, getting G'd up. And, and that's what he wants out of Bobby. And that's why it's so difficult to be Liverpool. It's, it's, it's not just that their forwards can attack or pick out a beautiful pass. It's that they defend well. And, and I think it's what the things he did help set things up, but this is a day when, you know, okay, Bobby wasn't putting the ball in the back of the net, but Mo was way up for it. And yeah, they all, all three of them, I thought had much better legs than against Wolves and, you know, Wolves are another competitive side and there's just a lot of games. And I think the few days off really made a difference. And I, like I said, I wasn't shocked that Mo had a great day today. It felt he was due. It felt like he was banging on the door and just needed to bust it down. And yeah, I mean, that ball from Henderson over the top with that fizz shot. I mean, that was a hell of a save from Dean Henderson. I mean, I, I thought that was it. My hands were already up when, when <laughs> Dean Henderson palmed it over, but uh, no, it was just, 
it's, it was a class performance from the front three. And, and that's what makes them so difficult because how do you stop all three of them? And then if you can manage to maybe contain them, you've got the, the fullbacks on the wings also trying to break down your door. Absolutely. And Justin, I'll come to you. You kind of touched on the front three. I want to get your, your words on the front three as well. I mean, you kind of said that, you know, uh, you know, two out of three, you know, had a really good game today. But one thing that I have to say about the front three is, is the unpredictability of the pattern of form. Um, you know, one day it would be that one would be great. And then the next game, it'll be the other one. Yeah, well, it, it also, I think, helps if, you know, the level of service they're getting from the midfield, because the midfield today gave them a ton of service. Yeah, I, we will talk about the midfield, but it was nice to like, see actually yeah, both playing from the centre. Like, that's the one thing you have to actually legislate for is the fact that they can't necessarily do it alone. But if you give them just a little bit of license, space, and impetus, they can do some very tough things to you. Now, Sheffield's a really good and well-organized team, and we still created a lot of opportunities against them. But if you look at how they try to play, they they are trying to they, – they kind of played into our hands a little bit here because they didn't really cut off those half spaces that, in particular, Salah and especially – Mane like to pick up it felt like Sadio really could have just picked the ball up any place driven past his man and found space because he did that over and over again and he's been able to do that now over and over again against pretty much anybody it doesn't matter who defends him he knows how to find space use space and then also make sure that he also finds himself a few passing options like kind of rolling the ball in towards I guess Milner and Wijnaldum or using Robertson on the overlap he's he's kind of really mastered that Sheffield had no answer for him doing that today and that and, and just you know some some bad luck on our part and some uh, some occasionally rushed finishing were the only things that kept that from being a a, a, a much uh, more lopsided scoreline. Um, Sala found good open spaces and you know he did what he does which is what he does best which is not think just finish. Um, you, you tend to see him when he actually really starts to kind of think and try and when things are not coming off for him. He presses more and more, but the more natural he gets towards uh, trying to find ways to finish, the better he is. And he, he absolutely did that tonight. And as I said earlier, for Bobby, it's just, you know, didn't come off an attacking wise. Um, you know, unlike the other two, he likes to, you know, have a, have a drink. So maybe he just, you know, is a little bit uh, sluggish from uh, New Year's Eve. <laughs> He's not driving. That's all that matters. Don't drive, Bobby. Yeah. Do whatever you want. But I mean, he, 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 he missed an absolute sitter. Trent, I mean, Trent plays Oof. him that ball perfectly. It's an absolute sitter. He should have scored today. We should have had one of those where we got in a, uh, you know, th- a goal from each of the front three. But you know, I thought what? he was going to side heel it. You know, that's his his classic move when he gets that ball in for the wing. He likes to you know flick it behind him and side heel it. But he just, yeah. like I said, it wasn't his day. It wasn't. It wasn't his day finishing. He should. He absolutely should have scored there. But you know what? I'm not going to kill him for it. I'd rather he, uh, you know, he, he scored some big goals lately. So. Uh, you know, th- there's there's no sense in getting upset if he misses a sitter that adds one to our goal difference when goal difference isn't going to be the thing that's going to decide the league this season. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? Let's kind of um, talk about the midfield. And Scott, we'll, we'll, what we'll do is we'll kind of pick up individual players um, at a time. Let's talk about Ginny first. Um for me, I, I thought he had a really good game. I mean, he did all the things that kind of really impressed me, that usually impressed me about Ginny Wijnaldum. Really good at kind of recycling the ball. I thought 
He's so press resistant, you know, um, he holds the ball, he shields it really well. I also saw him get into a few attacking positions, which is always pleasing because we know he does that so well for for Holland as well. At one point, he had the ball and it, there was like a little hesitancy for him to shoot or not shoot, but he was very <laughs> much involved. Um, I thought for me as a whole, the midfield worked really well. Uh, it kind of complemented each other and it kind of balanced. And it's normally a midfield that we don't enjoy all so much. But today for me, it really worked. And I thought Ginny actually, I mean, I thought all, all three of the midfield worked really, really hard. But for me, I thought Ginny had a, a good game considering he's had that little niggle or that injury, which kind of, we didn't see him in Qatar. So um, if we can get him back to his his best, it's kind of, crucial for this Liverpool side given the fact that we are kind of a little thin in the midfield Jeannie did well you know it's funny I, in review doing the ratings for this match and just kind of watching I was like you know every player kind of had their typical performance mm. and Jeannie was no different I mean he he plays that controller well, role real well like you said he's so strong on the ball I mean I don't know I mean you almost need two or three guys to take the ball off of him when he gets possession and that's the biggest thing that he brings to the team because when you have those giveaways you let up on the pressure and it gives the the opposing side a chance to breathe but when you have somebody who's so great at retaining the ball yes you might not be you know cutting forward at that instant moment but you recycle the play you, you switch it to the opposing side and then they come at you a different fashion so I thought he did real well with that he had a couple moments in the final third where, you know, to use an NBA term, he was a bit of a ball stopper. I mean, it just it felt like the ball got stuck under his feet. He had that real great chance at the top of the, the box in the first half that he just skied well over the net. Just didn't, he just, I think, got under it and came back a little bit. You know, it, it's like you said, he has those great attacking performances for Holland. And, and you think, man, if he could just add those goals to his game for Liverpool and, and he'll put you know him in every now and then, most famously against Barcelona at home. But it, it was a midfield that, you know, kind of complimenting each other. Hendo put in some of those trademark balls over the top, was constantly probing. But the thing I've really liked about Henderson in the past month is Fabino went down and that, you know, we could have, you know, been like City where we lose a key player and everything goes to shit. But instead, you know, it's next man up. And that's, you know, City, it's ridiculous the way that they cry over injuries because Liverpool have had key injuries too. But you've seen guys step up and fill in, you know, that role and not skip a beat. And he's been, Henderson has been doing it for the past month. We give him a lot of crap. He's not always the most adventurous player going forward, but he has been an absolute rock in the six for the past month, just being there, stopping play. And I think he's really contributed to why they're on a clean sheet run. I mean, it seemed like two, one was the scoreline for every game for the first two months. And now they have five clean sheets on the bounce. And I, I think Henderson is a big part of that because they're just solid is the word that comes to mind when I think of this midfield right now. And, and Milner was part of that too. He was dropping back into right back to let Trent go up and attack in those half spaces. And anytime you can get Trent on the ball in space, good things are going to happen. No, for sure. And I think Steve pizza here has just come in and said that was one of the, one of them. The best um, games those three play together in a while. That's Steve Pizza. But thank you very much. I think Andy as well was um, commenting on 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 our thoughts on uh, Bobby Firmino, and he pretty much echoes what Scott said as well. Bobby wasn't too good on the ball, but defensive contribution was great. Pretty much alluding to what Jurgen Klopp kind of sees so important about Bobby Firmino. Let's go back to you, 
Justin, we, we kind of always talk about the midfield. And I think, uh, Scott, I, I asked him about Ginny, but he wanted to talk about the, the, the three as a collective. So we'll do that. Talk to me about the midfield trio, because I think the last words from Scott there were about, you know, Jordan Henderson as a six. And I, I think it's, it's become a case of, I, We've become a bit of a unit, and I think why I think Jordan Henderson has massively benefited and kind of flourished in this sixth role. Why Fabinho has kind of been out, I think you know it's it's almost like a, a domino effect, and I think it's the balance and the beauty of Joe Gomez and Virgil Van Dijk. But we'll get to the defense in a minute. But talk to me about the midfield because we usually kind of grit our teeth at that trio, but today it worked so well. Well. We grit our teeth at it, but if you look at the situations we grit our teeth at it, it's always away in Europe. This yes. midfield's fine. This midfield is fine at home at, at Anfield. They've done, you know, this is the same midfield that demolished PSG at Anfield. So I'm not too concerned. I, I wasn't too concerned about Milner stepping into it. I just thought it was a case of next man up. And like I said, actually, the Wijnaldum injury that he suffered before Cutter, where he basically came back into the side pretty quickly afterwards, is kind of by, is kind of coloring my thinking about what they're doing with Cato, where it's just this is a tweak. And let's not get you hurt any worse. Let's actually, you know, protect the player's health and make sure that, you know, when we do need you to step back in, you can. So that's kind of that's that's where I, that's where my my head is out. It would We're be smart thinking, wouldn't it? If they did, you know, if they did do that, I, I think you're right. I, it makes. It I, makes perfect, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense to do. But if yeah. you're actually thinking about the midfield itself, the way in which they played today, every single one of them did their job perfectly. I mean. Ginny was press resistant, but I don't know how much press resistance you sometimes need when the other team can't get the ball off you. But he does exactly. But Ginny does exactly what Ginny's going to do in these games, which is keep the ball, recycle it. Everything he said, keep the ball, recycle it. I think he's something like sixty-two of sixty-seven passing. Sixty-one out of the sixty-five are short. Sixty-one of sixty-five on short passes. So his job isn't there. Isn't there to be there to take risks. His job is to be there to knit everything together. Milner got forward and did what he needed to do. Also, will run through literally anything and took some hits. Um, you know, he 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 will get elbowed in the stomach a few times a match because he kind of will just try to, you know, if, if there's two options to run around a player or through a player, he'll choose to run through them. And uh, the Yorkshireman. Yeah, and 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 Henderson was just fantastic. Um, he he's been in a great run of form for the last month, and it's really nice to see because um, I know that I can occasionally be critical of him. Um, right, I think I think a lot of our fans can be, but like he's our captain. I want to see I, I want to see him play well. I want to see him look like he did today. Every single time he takes the pitch in the red shirt, because if he does that, what he does today is it's absolutely imperious stuff. It's you know wanting the ball, using the ball well. Uh, he he had a, he was 120 of 30 pass, 120 out of 130 passes created created four chances. Um, I. I didn't look at the amount of ball recoveries and dispossessions he had, but he was kind of just everywhere. He was just like a, a like, you know, you, you've heard uh, on the under pressure, um, you know, under pressure when Simon Brundish talks about structuring in midfield where a lot of people want to see that you want to have a, a buzzer cruncher and a spreader. Well, Henderson mm-hmm. kind of did all three of those roles tonight. He did them all really well. He was very, very good. One, this is one of the best, this is one of the best games I've seen him play that we've seen him play in a red shirt. He was just, mm-hmm. Absolutely fantastic. He controlled the pace. He controlled tempo. He created chances from deep. And he was also instrumental in making sure that when we had them in a situation where they couldn't get out, they just couldn't and couldn't possess the ball and couldn't string anything together. 
that we just kept stepping on their throats and pushing forward. And that's evidenced by the fact that they had a shot in the seventh minute. They didn't have another shot until I think about the 77th minute, mm. right? That's a good team too. The Sheffield team is, mm. they're, they're not mugs. We've seen them go out and play. We saw them go out and outplay City four days ago. We've seen them go out and play very well against United. Now you, against Manchester United. Now you can say what you will about Manchester United, but still, nonetheless, playing, they're still occasionally for newly promoted sides, a bit of an aura about United. And they were completely unfazed by it. Um, so that's a good side. And we and that mid and our midfield just strangled them, absolutely strangled them out of the game. And it's kind of interesting to kind of go to a point Scott brought up because you're talking about the whole next man up mentality versus why we have it versus we're kind of, you know, if you look at what we do, someone gets hurt. We don't make excuses. It's a menta- it's the mentality Giants thing. Barcelona, right? We, we have neither Firmino or Salah. What happens? Shakiri and Origi step in and, uh, you know, they they contribute mightily. Same thing against Everton. They can, you know they they come in and tr- contribute mightily. The reason that City have floundered is because of the fact that Guardiola seems to be um, a, a man who is a mess and teetering on the brink. And when he comes down to it, clubs and then the way in which clubs play and they behave, they're kind of reflections on their manager. Yeah. Right now, I right? think it's psychology, isn't it, Justin? I mean, if you constantly yeah. say, I've not got this and I'm lacking and I've not got this, that funnels into your players' mindset. But if you look at your players and say, you're fucking amazing and you're worthy of that shirt, regardless, you know, to build them up mentally that they are good enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's the whole doubters into believers thing, right, which you know has been said a million times. But there's another thing that Klopp said, which is something that really, especially I think, kind of grates it so, some a, a certain variety of Liverpool supporter, right? Because people love transfer rumors. They do. And I'm not taking a shot at this particular style of supporter. I'm just saying it's it just a, it's a behavior. Um, Klopp, sees, when Klopp sees a problem, and he said this in his first season, he said the most English thing to do is think about who you can go out to buy to solve that problem rather than how do you look to solve that problem with what you already have. Klopp spent three years, for the most part, right, there's a certain things where he just knew that he wanted to improve the side. And that's where we've gotten in some of these fantastic players, but he still kept around some of those players who he knows can still do things for him and do a bunch of things for him. James Milner is a player who could do five or six different things for you. He could solve mm-hmm. five or six different problems for you. He solved a problem for you tonight. Guess what? That's, that's, that's Klopp using the, you know, using the, the players at his disposal in a way that consistently builds confidence and saying, James, I trust you to play right back, left back, Either one of the either one of the eights in my midfield, he probably would trust him to play, you know, in in you know in the wing in a four two three one if he really needed to. Um, basically, it's it's the kind of thinking that Klopp has, which is I've got a tweet here. Not a problem. Um, There's a way to solve them. Yeah, I've got a tweet here from our good friend Cam Branch. Um, uh, it's it's a stat on James Milner. Actually, I don't know how true it is because you know. Cam is alternative facts. James Milner covered 13.1 kilom- kilometers tonight. What a fucking player. Um, if that is inaccurate, please, you know, blast Cam, not me. I've just read what he's wrote there. Um, literally, um, yeah, I have to agree with you. And at th- 33 years of age or 34 years of age, that is absolutely ridiculous. You're absolutely spot on. I mean, Scott, I'm going to come back to you. You know, um, any final word on the midfield before we kind of um, move forward? Um, just to touch back on Jeannie, I did think that he, 
he still seems like he's carrying a little bit of injury, but he did get forward. And I thought that that was maybe a tactic when they lost Nabby, because you would think that in this, if it would have been as planned, if it had been Nabby, Hendo, uh, and Jeannie, you would have probably seen Nabby try to be the one to break through yes. lines and push the ball mm-hmm. forward. But, but Jeannie, I thought, did get – I mean, he the fact that he had a couple opportunities deep, and yes, the ball got stuck under his feet, but he was trying to get forward. And I, I think that's a credit to him because I don't think he's a full strength. But just the fact that he can kind of grit out a performance like that, you know, speaks well for for him and for the midfield as a whole because no matter what the problem is, this this team has found a way to solve it. You know, it's the next man up mentality no matter what they face, teams can try and sit low against them. Teams can try and press them on the flanks. This team finds a way and, and, and they found a way pretty quickly. And, and once they got ahead, I felt the midfield just, it was just control. I mean, they almost form like a, a semicircle around the halfway line. It's just, it's, it's a wall that can't be breached and, and the midfielders just rotate around cleaning up play and pushing the back ball back forward. It's, it's very, very impressive. And, I think it, they've come a long way since we were trying to tear our hair out in Kiev and you're watching that midfield and they had no, literally no answers, but they're a huge reason why, you know, this team is, you know, setting records and points, you know, 20 games in. It's just magical stuff. Um, I just love the team that Jurgen Klopp's built here. It's like an absolute force in itself. Let's talk about, the, the fun stuff, you know, Liverpool keeping clean sheets. So, you know, let's kind of talk about the, the defence. <laughs> I think we'll start with the, with the centre-back pairing and then we'll talk about the full-backs. Scott, I'm going to stick with you on the centre-back pairing. My God, um, it is so great to see um, Liverpool keeping clean sheets. It's nice to see the perfect balance of um, Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk. They are both so quick. They will not get beat. I mean, Virgil van Dijk today, I think, you know, someone tried getting the better of him and, my God, perfectly timed tackle. And he did not look panicked or phased or anything. That is why he is the best in the business. But I think those two massively help out the midfield. I've said it's almost like a domino effect of, you know, strength from strength to strength, a solid spine. Um, uh, what what do you make of their two flourishing partnership? Because it's a joy to see once again after, of course, Gomez's um, you know, unfortunate injury last season. But it, Joe Gomez looks absolutely brilliant again. One thing that Liverpool have done is when you 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 keep having this question of who's the ideal partner for Virgil Van Dijk. And last year, a credit to him, Joel Matip was terrific down the stretch. I mean, he at times he almost looks better than Virgil Van Dyke. And you know, Joe Gomez was the the guy, the young guy with a lot of talent, could be a great prospect, but just couldn't find that you know continuous run of form. He had a little bit of it last season, then got hurt for the second half. He kind of got hurt again to start out this season, and so it was kind of those repetitive questions. But he's really come into form lately, and, and I thought Cy Brundish, you just tweeted out, it's a pretty good way to sum it up. 17 Premier League games with Gomez-Van Dyke partnership, 12 clean sheets, five goals conceded. Five goals conceded in 17 Premier League matches when you put those two together. Oh. I mean, that is... I mean, you're talking AC Milan 1990s level defending. That's how <laughs> good they're getting. And that I think that shows, you know, Joel Matip is great. Lovren can come in and he can give you, you know, a few games, but he's always due for a mistake. But if they can just keep Joe healthy, I mean, he looks so good in the air. He he did have a moment where he kind of got caught out on that one chance um, the Blades had at the end of the first half where um, they got, he kind of got caught 
in between trying to, you know, a ball that was bouncing near the, the center circle. But other than that, I mean, he really hasn't put a foot wrong over the last month. And even if he does have one moment, he's got the best center half in the world, just cleaning up everything behind him. I mean, the two of them, I mean, I'm, I, I'm starting to think I should just call Virgil van Dyke, Virgil van Dyke Gandalf, because you shall not pass. I mean, you just can't get past them. Every time the blades thought that they had a way through, the door got shut. Uh, and, and I like it. He's Gandalf. You just can't get past. Him. He's brilliant. He's literally one of the best defenders I've ever seen. Justin, come to you. Talk to me about the centre-back pairing. I mean, it was something that we rip our hair out for a majority of the last decade. But my God, it's been two years since we've had this guy. Now, I think it was a two-year anniversary last week. But my God, he has completely changed the complexion of that defence. Every He requires everyone to be better, to do better. Talk to me about that defence. Oh, the defence has become quite, quite impenetrable, right? You start with the two centre-backs, right? Those are the two best centre-backs right now in the league. Um, Funnily enough, Joel Matip was also one of the best two center backs in the league when he was playing with Van Dyke. I think Van Dyke makes everybody better. He's made Lovren look significantly better when Lovren's played with him. Yep. Um, I think part of it is playing with Van Dyke. I think part of it is at this point also the players realizing how good a side they're playing in. Now, I think Gomez is the best partner for Van Dyke because of the fact that his particular style of play mm. is distinguishable enough from Van Dyke that. Uh, that it that it works because of the fact that Gomez will step out, will try to cut more things out, and will let Van Dyke do the sweeping kind of the sweeping role that Van Dyke wants to do, where he can read the game and then just say, "All right, I don't necessarily have to go do make challenge anybody, but you're not going to beat me because of the fact that I just know exactly where to be, and you're not going to run at me because you know I'm just going to embarrass you." So Gomez has been very good though at stepping out, trying to cut passes out, cut out passing lanes. Um, he's definitely also been helped, by the way, by the fact that um, Wijnaldum and Henderson have been both fantastic at cutting out passing lanes. And our defensive shape without Fabinho has definitely been more of a two in the midfield rather than a one, which I think is part of why we've been more solid is the fact that we've just uh, we, we've, we've sacrificed having kind of a shuttler to have someone sit in more. And I think it's creating less space that you can pass around. So if you pat, if you try to pass around one of those two, you're passing into a spot where Gomez is going to step up and intercept it. And that's actually, I think, been a really important part of why we haven't allowed goals is just we're not giving teams any 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 place to actually play that's threatening, um, which we shouldn't change from doing because ultimately, if you know, at this point, if teams don't score against us, we're going to score against them. Nobody's held us with a clean sheet in the league all season. It seems to be extremely hard to do because we seem to be able to will our ways to score. So... To me, keeping other teams from scoring is actually just going to be the most important thing because, um, yeah, that that that's that's the formula, right? We we can win game we can we can win games one nil, right? We can comfortably win games one one nil. That's what we did for most of this game was we were comfortably winning at one nil, and even at one even at that point, right up until the Mane goal, at no point did you did anybody actually think that that Sheffield was going to threaten us because they went 70, 70 odd minutes without even registering a shot. Mm. So, yeah, that, that, back, weren't they? The pretty much the entire yeah. game. Yeah, it's basically you know to, to make a comparison to American sports. If you have your two center backs basically just playing like uh, you know like safeties in, in in football, where all they have to do is just try to you know they're just there to 
stop the other stop any stop you from getting beaten over the top, but they have no other function because you, you, you the rest of you know your, your defensive line and your your linebackers, which in this case would be kind of your uh, your front three and your midfield, are doing enough to basically never allow the ball through them. Then you're gonna have you're you're, you're gonna have a very easy day, and we've had a few of those lately. Wolves wasn't it, but Leicester and then this very similar patterns of play, very similar patterns of game, and just utter and total dominance and. Yep, the center backs are a part of it, but they're not necessarily being taxed because what's going on in front of them is uh is just extraordinarily impressive. Yeah, well, this is a really really strange game because um you know like they were trying to do stuff, but like I, I still kind of thought that they were kind of lacking that quality. I mean, I'm gonna have a final word on 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 our defense before we move forward. I want to get your thoughts on this as well. You guys watch a lot of um uh, kind of sports and and all that good stuff, but for me as well, like obviously I watch a lot of football. And um, when you, I, I mean, like there was a there must be a psychological element from the opposition striker perspective as well. You know, up against that, the best, and you know, the, it it almost seems like an uphill battle constantly against them two, or you know, Virgil Van Dijk and whoever he's kind of partnered up with, and and then you've got the 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 the, the mighty task of beating Allison as well. I mean, it must be exhausting mentally to deal with that, especially when you're not getting service as well. Oh, it's, it's terrible. Um, for one thing, if you look at, you know, obviously teams game plan with particular areas to target, um, again, you know, and, and, you know, against us, that area that you typically try to target is the channel between whoever's playing in the right side and center back position and, and Trent. Trent, yep. But they couldn't even get the ball there today. And that that ball's been off since Gomez came in because Gomez is better at reading that than uh, than than Lovren was. Matip is better at reading it than Lovren is too. But that's been that 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 hasn't been on for a while. Nobody's nobody's found any joy in that space because if, if you can't play if you can't play the ball into a space, the ball isn't going to like it, it's pretty it's pretty obvious that if if you're not afforded the opportunity to even play the ball into that space, you're never going to be able to manipulate it. And we've just stopped other teams from doing that, right? Um, if, if you look at how our fullbacks basically played today, they had very, very little defensive responsibility because of the fact that the defensive responsibility in the areas that they were tasked with really kind of falls to the midfield, right? And that's where kind of I'm saying we go to that double pivot because if you looked, in particular in possession, in particular when the other team, when, when we recovered possession from them in, in you know, between like the center circle and our box in, in that, you know, that wide area of our half, it was very often our fullbacks were immediately like, okay, get up the pitch and get Henderson on the ball and allow him to push everything forward. Right. So we're not, n- nobody's really challenging. Nobody's really challenging our, our fullbacks at the moment. And it's, it's quite nice. It's quite say, nice. Yeah. Real quick on that. I would say, Justin didn't like my Gandalf joke, but I really liked his safety analogy because it is like that in the NFL. When you have, you know, kind of somebody sitting back and just forming kind of a wall that you're not going to get past, you, you you prevent the big play over the top and you allow the guys on the wings to be your playmaker. That would be your cornerbacks in the NFL. And and when you have just that safety net, you when you're on the wings, you know you can try and, you know, get a little aggressive. And if you get beat, you know, if Robbo or Trent get beat on the wings and somebody gets behind them, the, the thing about our center backs is it's it's not just that the positioning, it's they both are actually very fast. And I think that's what Gomez has really added is for all of Matip's, you know, strengths, he's not as quick 
you know, straight speed is, is Gomez. So Gomez can take some license. You know, he does compliment with Virgil where he'll step up, but he can also turn and recover. And I think that's what's been so nice to see is he has His these moments really where improved as well. Yeah. I mean he he he's he he looks so much more comfortable and and, and mm. as Justin said, and I think we talk about all the time, it, it's so much easier to look better, you know, next to Virgil van Dyke. He he's one of those players in sport that he just raises the quality of those who are around him and, and he's had a great impact. But imagine being Gomez and you're this young guy and, and look who your partner is, look who you get to learn from and you're there and training every day and he's he's shouting out directions at you and he's he's coaching you up and it, it it just it has to have such an amazing impact and I think we're seeing it before our very eyes but it, that's what I, I think it is you know when you when you're an opposing forward and, and you're stepping onto the pitch I mean it, it's kind of like playing Russian roulette but all the bullets all the chambers have bullets in them it's like okay how do I get past it do I get a midfield that's like a, a shield if I get past them I have to go back through the best center half pairing in the league if I get through them, then I have to beat, you know, the best goalkeeper in the world who had an absolutely incredible 2019. I mean, it just, there's just no options. And that's why yeah. they, they've been so stellar. And, and I think now when you see a consistent five, two, that's why the clean sheets are coming. Absolutely. And you know what, Scott, I'll stick with you. Let's talk about the fullbacks and then I'll jump to Justin. Um, there was so much creativity. You kind of just touched on them, just um, have, you know, being quick and, you know, just how, um, uh, you know, how impactful they were in this game. I thought both of them were very good. I mean, Trent is always just going to be Trent. We know that for a fact. But, you know, I thought Robbo had a really good game today as well in, in an attacking sense. And, of course, um, you know, let's not forget, it was that quick ball from Alisson to Robertson, to Sadio Mane, to, to Salah, to Sadio Mane again to finish. I mean, this is how, this is the, um, you know, this kind of demonstrates the importance of our fullbacks in this team and why it works so well. And when they don't play well, sometimes I feel like our attack gets snuffed out. Well, it's the evolution of the modern game. And I think Trent is taking it to heights that maybe we haven't seen anymore. But when you have a team where they're designed to create through our fullbacks, it's it's like something we haven't even seen before. I mean, people keep talking about Trent is De Bruyne at a fullback position, and people used to ask, well, should he go into the midfield? I mean, you would never want him to. Having that level of quality in that position and the way he creates is just amazing. And and you see how the team sets up to, to enable that. You know, Milner dropped a little deep that allowed Trent to go forward, and they're – Hendo constantly looks for Trent. I mean, that's one of been in the strengths of the past month too, is just setting up Trent up again and again. And, you know, he had that masterclass at Leicester. So now everybody's expecting him to have nine out of tens. And, you know, he didn't have, not all of his passes came off the same way, but it's just he the like the ball he had into Bobby that Justin said Bobby should have buried. I mean, that was on a tee. You can't, you can't put passes like that and just from any other fullback and it was similar not the same but sort of similar to the one that broke the deadlock in Qatar again just a cheeky ball fizzed in I mean it, just to be a forward to have that level of service and and Robbo I mean one thing we have and you see across many sports is speed kills and it happened that way for the first goal with Robbo streaking down the left and it happened with the second goal just like you said Nina I mean I had it written down in my notes I mean it was Allison to Robbo to Mo to Mane back of the net. I mean, it happens in the blink of an eye and we've been lucky to see that time and time again over the past few years. And I think that's what makes it so difficult to defend is, you know, you, they, you think you have a shape to stop that, but when you have lightning 
pace, they can strike at any time, even off of a restart. Absolutely. And Justin, let's kind of finish up and talk on the fullbacks. I mean, it, you know, it's one of those games where I don't think anyone played bad. It was just one of those games. But for me, again, I thought, you know, when we played um, um, the Blades at Bramall Lane, I, I felt like, you know, the pitch just felt really narrow and everyone was like overly congested. I, I, I don't know what was going on. I think maybe the size was slightly different and they, they you know, they, they deal with that situation better. But I thought for me, the fullbacks were very much involved in the game there was a lot of overlapping and of course um you know they, they were putting in the crosses there's a lot of play from the middle of the park but one thing I noticed was sometimes the midfielders would sort of play out wide to let those guys get you know um get their crosses in but for me both of them I thought they had very good games I can't really well, complain in particular right last week we were singing the praises of um you know Trent versus Leicester City you know, a tough team that's proposed that's posed problems for teams and a, a very good defensive team and Trent completely unlocked them. The, the story today was about, you know, before the game today was about Wilder's defensive setup and the fact that Sheffield coming into this match had the second best defensive record because we you know took that away from Leicester by scoring against them a bunch of times. And this time it was Robertson who kind of pulled them apart. I mean, Robertson created five chances today. That's uh, it's very impressive. And he it, he does it in a very different way than Trent, right? Trent does it basically with the ball at his feet and trying to sweep, you know, playing those long sweeping, long crosses. Whereas Robbo is much more of a getting involved in interplay. You obviously you see him a lot connect with uh, with Mane, right? Like the pass and overlapping Mane is something that he does all the time. Um, today he did it to great effect, and once again, right. On a day where we finish slightly better, and or Dean Henderson is not as good as he was. Robertson mm-hmm. walks out of this game with more than just the one assist. He walks out with like you know, two or three because he was just really, really, really instrumental in uh, in setting up quite a bit. Now, the other thing about the two of them that goes, I think, unmentioned uh, a little too often, but is also very impressive today, is how well they play and contribute to our pressing game. Um, they're, they're, they often recover the ball pretty well. They're often a second guy in, in particular, Robertson joins up with either Bobby or Sadio quite often to try to, you know, become the second guy in the group press to try to dispossess a team when they can, when they, um, when they're trying to, uh, you know, at least get out and make it very impossible for them to do so. And today Robertson just, you know, was, was uh, instrumental in, in strangling the blades in their own half. Yeah. I would say one thing to add on that, is I, I don't know if you guys, Nina, if you guys got it on your commentary, but there I think it was midway through the first half, the commentators that we got in the States could not stop talking about how often Robbo and Trent passed to each other. Like they've never seen anything like it before. I mean, they just literally, it was like a love fest. And I'm sure, you know, the neutrals may not have loved it, but it was, it was pretty hilarious. They, they were just slavishly, you know, talking about how great they are and how they link each other up. But it, I think it started with Rabo that four to three win over city in early 2018, where he became a cult hero by pressing and running his socks off all the way, you know, and pressing Ederson. That's what he brings. And I mean, I can't imagine having to defend Mane and also Robertson on that wing where they're just constantly running at you. I mean, they must have to have a gas mask or oxygen at the end of the game. They must be dead tired. Absolutely. I mean, no, our, our commentators didn't mention that, but it is definitely a trend with our fullbacks, the way they kind of just sweep the ball across the pitch. 
you know they do they've done it so many times so yeah um I don't see a see I don't see many other like fullback combinations do it as as you know as often or as well as Liverpool do to be fair I don't think I actually see them do it period I just think them do just have this really good understanding of where the other one is across the pitch and it just kind of really bamboozles the opposition it's just a great way to kind of just keep the ball moving and just kind of um throw the opposition off let's talk about the the goalkeeper I mean what can I really say about him at this point you know instrumentally keeping clean sheets he didn't have an awful lot to do I kind of felt sorry for him in the second half Justin nothing much to do but one thing I have noticed seeing him live is when it's quiet what he does is he does squats and lunges to kind of keep himself focused and sharp and in the you know I think it was around about the 70 something minute that you mentioned there was a crossing and uh, you know one of um, the Sheffield players, I forget his name, his name escapes me, tries heading it Oliver in. But Mc- Oliver McBurney. Thanking you. Someone paid attention. And, you know, he was just alert to the, the danger, you know? And uh, way back when, that would have been a goal against us. Yeah, I mean, the only, peop- the only people that, that did less than Allison today were Sheffield strikers that we started <laughs> on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, he didn't have to do anything, right? Like, we had so much of the ball. I think he has to make two saves in the entire match. He makes both. They're both, in the end, relatively routine. One just looks a little bit more loopy than it is because the ball came off Valverick Bernie's head, oddly. But Allison knows where the line is. He knows where his hands are. He knows where the ball is. And basically, that's the toughest thing he has to do all day. Um, Nina, I don't think he's doing those squats and crunches, though, to uh, to to stay, um, you know, to stay... Uh, in the game, I think, I think he's doing it to stay warm because it's cold there. And if you haven't had yes. to move that much, you're going to stiffen up. This is true. And he wears the tights and everything now. He's completely covered up. <laughs> I mean, he basically, he, he, he could have, you know, you know, you, uh, you know, got stupid the match that you, you know, you, you made a brew before um, you, you could have, you could have also halftime made him a giant cup of mate and, you know, he just sat on a stool, you know, sipping on it in the, in, in, in the, in, in at the Anfield Road end because uh, they they just didn't threaten us at all. Yeah, he literally had nothing to do. Uh, not much to talk about him in this game, uh, Scott, but it's just great the fact that, you know, if there is a little bit of a danger element in, in the latter half, you, you kind of watch it now with not like, you know, like aghast or, or in shock, you're just like, yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. There's just that belief about us. And I think, it, you know, we talk about the defence, but I think a lot of it's down to the big man between the sticks. One of the things that we talked about before is Liverpool used to be, you know, they had the, the shaky description. It says, yeah, even when you're winning, it can turn, you know, turn on its head in a matter of moments. And I think it was a bright and early in the season where he got the red card. You know, those things can turn very quickly, but one thing that Allison had brought is just that, you know, even if there's one chance that the other opposing side gets that match and he hasn't had much to do for most of the 90, he's going to be focused and he's going to be locked in. You know, Simon Mignolet is a good guy, but he had a blunder in him. So did Loris Karius. And you don't have to worry about that anymore. I I just, it's, it's so hilarious. I mean, you, you can pick so many things from this Liverpool side that the difference, you know, pre-clop or 10 years ago, how things have changed. It's just, used to be as a Liverpool fan, sometimes you would expect the worst, even when things were going well, it's, well, how are we going to screw this one up? And you just don't have to be that way anymore. And yeah, the scoreline wasn't four nil, five nil, but because you know, you have that guy at the back, you know, that 
the other team's not going to make the last 10 minutes nervy because they're not going to get an opportunity to do that because they're not going to put it in. And that's a credit. Just every, every piece that in the chain for Liverpool is just so solid and they have a foundation that just can't be beat. And, and Allison's a big part of that. Even if, I mean, he's, I mean, we talk about the, the Christmas uh, fixture congestion. I mean, he's had it easy over the past month. I mean, he, he's, he's almost been on vacation while the other guys are doing all the running. He has the sheep must do whatever you want. Bless him. Um, uh, umbilical boy there. It's fantastic not having chocolate with single. Yep. Um, I could not agree more. It's great to actually have world-class players in this team. Guys, I think we pretty much discussed the majority of this game. Although something did kind of st- step up for me. Was that situation for slow motion for you two as well when Mo Salah kind of, I don't know, attempts to cross it and it hits the crossbar and Henderson, the goalie's just kind of watching it and then everyone's watching it and it kind of bubbles and then he has to go back and make a save. Was that slow motion for you guys as well? It was. I'd never seen that before. I mean, everybody stopped. I mean, Gags uh, texted out in the Discord chat that, you know, maybe Virgil should have really gone for it, but Dean Henderson didn't even move. He thought that ball was going out and it just Mm -hmm. curled in. I mean, if that had gone in, I mean, that would have just, people would have been, yelling how lucky Liverpool are, but it was it was pretty comical. I, I, I didn't really understand that, what was going on. If that had gone in, someone would just have to make the clip with Benny Hill music. Yeah, and you know what? It would have been a second blunder for him against us as well, right? Which would have been quite unfair. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's a good keeper, but you yeah. know what? He's a, he's a youth Manchester United product, so uh, ha-ha. yeah guys I mean I think we kind of pretty much discussed the majority of the game but you know what I'm going to share a little nugget I watched United yesterday with my mom and she said it's a sin watching this United team you know because they're truly awful she's a United fan you all know that watching Liverpool today and she just said you know Liverpool are boring she just went they're absolutely boring all they ever do is win I'm like are you ever satisfied like, it must be painful being a United fan, but she's really, really feeling it at the moment. Guys, any final thoughts from you guys before we go to Man of the Match? Scott, anything from the game? Any takeaways? I know there's been lots of chat about um, just the classy response from the Sheffield United manager. I've not caught up with his comments, so I can't really say what he said. But um, any any final thoughts from the game before we go to Man of the Match? Yeah, on that, I saw the, the Chris Wilder. I mean, he had the Liverpool connections. They were talking about that before the match. There's several guys in the Sheffield uh, team that really had, you know, former scou- Scousers and just people who had a lot of connections to Liverpool. And, and I, I thought the, the commentators kind of pointed it out that in the first half, the referee barely blew the whistle for fouls. I mean, maybe there was something to it where they showed us so much too much respect. I don't know, but it was very classy from Chris Wilder, the comments that he said about how hard they worked. And I think that's maybe just a testament to this Liverpool side is that even in defeat, you know, everybody is just so impressed because of the way they play. I mean, they play just hard from start to finish, just constantly running, never taking a moment off. And, and they're running a little bit less and they're pressing smarter than they used to, but still the work rate, I, I think it's one thing when you see other other managers or other footballers, when they talk about the reverence with this Liverpool side, that you get an idea of just how good they are. Plus, the other thing I did see is that Jurgen uh, confirmed that Naby Keita, unfortunately, not going to play against Everton on the weekend. So we'll, we'll have to keep fingers crossed that he's not going to be out long term. 
Absolutely. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And Bill Cowboy, love your mama, Nina. Yeah, she's awesome. She is absolutely incredible. She's like my favourite person to watch football with. Steve W, it was death by a thousand passes for Sheffield. Agreed. I think we just completely outpassed them. I think it was a record breaker as well. I think Justin kind of touched on that as well. Justin, any final takeaways from the game before we move on to Man of the Match? We're great. It's fun. Let, let this continue as long as it possibly can. I'm just going to uh, just enjoy it. it. It's so much fun. It's fucking brilliant. It's just this easy vibe of watching the Reds. And you know what? Long may it continue because we've suffered a lot. 30, you know, 30 years without a league title. Don't know how long each one of you have supported the Reds, but it's not been an easy journey. Guys, let's talk about Man of the Match. Um, there's some, I think there'll be a, a fair few, like, entries and shouts so i'm i'm intrigued so i'm gonna go around the table and you know what justin i'll come to you first who is your man of the match the captain mm-hmm. he, he, he was incredible yeah um i like this run of form he's in and i i, I want him to play like this forever because um it, it you know i occasionally will get down on him but uh seeing him step up in fabinho's absence and just probably come into probably what i'd say is the best run of form he's had since 13 14 is really good because I do want that guy to, to do good things. I want to see him do his awkward shuffled trophy lifts. And uh, I think he's a, I think he's a genuinely likable guy who's getting a good reward out of some very hard work. So, um, you know, sentimentality and performance combined in this particular choice. Absolutely. And you know what, this is the one thing, you know, there's absolutely zero agendas here. We we kind of call it play by play. And today I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And, and you know what, what's even more alarming is the fact that, you know, somebody like Justin, a majority of us like him in an eight row rather than a six. But, you know, just highlighting there that in, in a Fabinho's absence, just how well he's done there. And let's not forget, he almost picked up that scary injury against Leicester as well. And it was almost cruel if it was a long term injury, given the fact that he has been on this great run of form. So I I think that is a great shout. Scott, what about yourself? You know, you could go with the goal scorer um, in... in um, in Mo Salah, who also got a goal and an assist. You know, there was a fair few players who had decent games, but I'm intrigued to see where you go. I'm also going to go with a non-goal scorer. I just thought that the main man at the back was excellent today. I just, I've I've supported Liverpool since 2005, and I know you've supported them longer, but I, I can't remember having or watching a defender at this high of a level. I mean, he is amazing. I mean, he started off the match with that long ball over the top that helped set up the first goal. You know, I thought on another day with another guy at the back, I mean, it could have been 1-1 going into the break. I mean, Sheffield had a real chance at the halfway line uh, to to break. I mean, they had two guys streaking, and he just stops it in its tracks, sliding tackle, cool as you like. I mean, it's just from all over. He could have had a goal, too, early in the second half. I thought he got his shirt pulled. Could have been a penalty. It would have been soft-ish. But still, I mean, he he's everywhere both sides of the pitch he even ran forward at one point to kind of add some numbers and attack to try and get through that back five so it just he's arguably the best player in the world and it's moments like today where you keep a clean sheet and he's a reason why they scored and why the other side didn't 
Absolutely. Yeah. I could not agree more. I thought, you know, again, Virgil van Dijk was absolutely incredible. Guys, both of those are great shouts. Absolutely great shouts. I think for me, in this particular case, I'm going to have to side with Justin purely because I think Virgil van Dijk is always a copy and paste of how phenomenal he is, even when he has a bit of a ropey performance, if you want to say that. Um, you know, it's, it's still great. Uh, I think we've got a comment here again by uh, Steve W. Again, I used to like watching Alan Hansen back in the day, but Virgil van Dijk is probably better still. My God, what an absolute comment there. And uh, um, I, I heard about the legend of um, Alan Hansen, just how great he was and the combination of him and Lawrenson that, you know, if one messed up, the other one would clean up the mess and that they were absolutely untouchable as a defensive force. And, you know, I kind of craved that. For me, one of the best that I saw at Liverpool, um, aside from, of course, Virgil van Dijk, I kind of grew up with Hippie. And for me, he was like the model centre-back in terms of what Liverpool had. But yeah, I have to agree. Virgil van Dijk, for me, in my era, was great. But the fact that you're saying, you know, it against um, Alan Hansen, I mean, that just speaks volumes in itself. For me, I am going to give it to Jordan Henson in this game because I think he's had to play in a role that he's not comfortable with. And when you consider all those things, I think he had a really good game. He I probably ran himself into the ground as well, probably. Guys, that is the end of the Nina Kaza show. Thank you so much for listening. A massive thank you to all you people that joined us live. Unfortunately, we did not have any callers, but you guys were awesome kind of providing the commentary and we really, really appreciate it. Um, a huge thank you to both Justin and Scott. Um, uh, let's end this podcast with some plugs. So, Scott, I'll come to you. Where can people find more of your work and where can people find you on Twitter? On Twitter, I'm Scott R. Chandler. I typically tweet about sports, politics, and uh, the Onion articles. Uh, I'm going to have – I submitted the rating match ratings article for this match. And just a quick shout-out to the whole AI post-match team. Everybody worked so hard to get those articles in as quickly as possible. Guy and Adam producing everything and publishing it. So just check everybody out from game to game. It's a new year, but it looks like it's going to be a great year. So just, just try and enjoy it. Just try and savor every minute because this is really a golden age of Liverpool football. And I think this is the best place to, to experience it. Absolutely. Do give Scott a follow. And Justin, what about you? I know you've been a busy bee at the beginning of, of this week. So where can people find you and more of your work? You can find me on Twitter at Rolls on Shabbos. And uh, so it's the, the transfer window is open. So I actually will plug work that I do, which is um, the transfer window pod. Myself and Tadi would do it. We're, we're going to be recording again this weekend because, you know, the window's open and there are things to talk about. I don't think the Reds are going to give us uh, too much, but we'll see what that Navi Keita injury does towards the plans. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll talk about We talk about the entirety of the transfer uh, window, not just uh, not just as it relates to Liverpool. So uh, give us a listen. And uh, also just, you know, be kind to other people and use donate to food banks if you can. Lovely, lovely sentiment. And I urge everyone to follow Justin and listen to his transfer podcast. They are excellent. Him and Tadiva do a phenomenal job. Guys, keep it locked on AI and AI Pro. There's some brilliant content coming your way. Do check it out. For my part, I'm doing some fun stuff from, you know, on, on a personal level. If you are on Instagram, follow me on Instagram. It is the Nina Kauser Show. I kind of post daily videos. I'm going to get back on it. I've just had a few family emergencies but things are looking good again and I should start, I will start doing my videos pretty much soon. So please do check me out. It's the Nina Kaza show on Instagram. Also, if you want to be an um, 
if you want to be a knobhead that just likes to wear your colors and wear them with pride and you want to be unbearable, we have some excellent merch on AITs. We actually have, you know, stuff that you can wear that can really make piss boil. Personally, my personal favorite is the unbearable sweatshirt. Do check that out. All you've got to do is go to AITs.co.uk. It's something that myself and Gags have been working on. I've I've been passionate about t-shirts, but you know, I, I like to wear a good t-shirt. So I thought it made sense that I kind of design stuff and kind of become a bit creative. But if you could check them out and support me, that would be great. Thank you so much for listening, guys. It's going to be a great year, like the lads have said. What a way to kick things off. Thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you post Spurs. My God, we've got, oh yeah, we've got the FA Cup first. So I will be back post Spurs. Pospers. Till next time, take care and up the reds. Podcast Network.